like to welcome you to episode two of Podcast Payoffs with Dan Sullivan and myself, Gord Vickman. If you heard the earlier episode, it was the introduction, and we made some promises in that first episode of things that we were going to be chatting about today. We're going to call this one The Planning, Dan. You've spent your life planning a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You've been wildly successful in some planning, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is very spontaneous, and we were talking about that on the earlier show as well. Just to do a little bit of a recap here, you've been podcasting. You started off with Joe Polish, and you've been doing it now for about how many six, years? Six years about right six now. Years. Yep. And what is it about the medium that has allowed it to drive the exponential growth and lead people not only into the program, but sort of increase your profile as an entrepreneurial coach as well? Again, these are things that have surprised me about the podcast medium, because in the last six years, it's gone from, you know, some people actually using podcasts to it really becoming major. And you gave me some statistics just this week that the scorecard, which indicates how many people are doing this, there's 700,000 mm-hmm. podcast series in the world. There's other numbers there, which made us very delighted that of the 700,000, we have four podcast series currently that are in the top 5% of most listened podcasts, most downloaded podcasts. But I think the real impact of this came to me because I started a new 10 Times workshop in late 2018, and there were three entrepreneurs from Mumbai in India who had come all the way to Toronto for their first workshop, and they actually met each other at the Toronto workshop. We found out they lived roughly about 20 miles from each other in Mumbai, but they didn't know each other until they actually found out that they were in the same workshop together. In each case, their first introduction to us was by listening to one of our existing podcasts, one Joe Polish, and then another series called Exponential Wisdom that I have with Peter Diamandis. And they said that we really got interested in the way you talked about things and what you talked about, and then we found out that you had a program, and then we went to the website, and it was easy to sign up on the website. And so in all three cases, they were sign-ups on the website. They didn't really ask for a lot of interface with our team before they actually made a decision. They just said, we really like how he talks about things entrepreneurially on his podcasts, and we feel that this will be the quality that we actually experience when we come to the workshop. So I think that's the huge surprise to me, is that what people are actually checking you out for initially is not what the content of the workshop's gonna be. They wanna know, regardless of what content it is, this is how it's going to be talked about, and I'm going to be part of that conversation. So for you listening right now, if you're thinking about hosting your own podcast, maybe you have one, and maybe you're looking for some tips or some things that will help sort of lead you into that area where you're getting not only the feedback, but maybe the benefits. We promised at the top that we're going to be talking a little bit about the planning. We're not going to get too much into the nitty gritty details, but there are some things that you should probably remember if you're thinking about starting a podcast. And the number one thing that I wanted to just throw out there, Dan, is just you need to have something to say. <laughs> so what what is it about having something to say on not only the shows that we produce in-house here, but all the partner shows, you use a tool called the fast filter that we're sort of looking at right now. And this kind of lays out the structure of the show. And it sort of lays out for you and those hosting with you what you're going to go through piece by piece. So why don't you just talk about the fast filter for a moment and how it can help you get clarity on the shows that you're doing? Because some of these partners that you host shows with, you may not have spoken to them for a month. So it's 
hard to maybe catch up, but this gives you clarity right、mm-hmm. off the top, and it lets people know. What you're going to be doing? Yeah, and I would say that when I put the fast filter together for an upcoming podcast, I do it for my reason, just to get myself back focused into what the specific type of conversations are that I have with that particular partner. So it brings me in mind. I'm not just preparing a podcast, but I'm preparing a podcast with a particular conversational partner. And right now, including this one we've just started, I have ten podcast series. I have a great Ability to get out of control when I really enjoy a particular activity, and I have to be very, very considerate about what kind of load this puts on, you know, our team. And I'm good at making up things. The other point in the case of the fast filter that we did here, I kind of surprised you. A while back, maybe a month back, I surprised you by saying, you know, Gord, I think we ought to do a podcast together because since. So many of our strategic coach clients are listening to podcasts, and they're aware of the growing importance of podcasts from a lot of other sources that they have. I said, you know, I think because we're getting so many requests, how do you do this? You know, how can I think about this? That I said, I think this is a great coaching level, an added value level for them being in strategic coach. That we should get them comfortable with possibly a new. Multiplier in the way that they communicate with the world, and it's you know if you haven't done it, it's really hard. But if we can give them sort of a baby step, you know, path to kind of get used to it and try it out, and let's get them off with the right information, the right intention, the right focus、mm-hmm. when we're doing that. So one is I don't want a blowback that look what you got me into, <laughs> you know. But I would say the other thing is that this isn't any different than anything else that you learn in strategic coach program, and that is that if you're completely intentional and you know exactly why you want to communicate a particular idea. And you know why exactly, and this will be valuable to the listeners. You've really solved about eighty, ninety percent of the quality issue of whether this will actually work. So, if I'm completely sold on the idea, the confidence that I have of actually being sold that this is a really good idea to communicate, and I'm not communicating three ideas here. I'm communicating one idea.、Mm-hmm. Three ideas may come out of it as a result of the. Back and forth that we do on the podcast, but essentially, I just want to get across one major idea, and then I want to be clear that the listeners would really, really enjoy this one idea. You know, I can't be in the room with the person listening to this, so I've got to really imaginatively get over into the mind of my strategic coach listeners. Some of them are active strategic coach. Some of them are, have been in the coach, but they like hearing what we're doing. And then there's individuals who would be interested in knowing how we do things at strategic coach. And I've got to check out in my mind that what I'm saying to them, what I'm going to communicate in the course of the podcast, will actually be valuable to them. That's how the fast filter kind of gives you clarity on the show that you're about to do.、Mm-hmm. So just backing up a little bit, we were talking about well. People who may be interested in starting a podcast, do you have something to say? I think most people, if they were to be stopped on the street and asked, "Do you have something to say?" most people would like to answer yes. I think it'd be pretty self-deprecating if you said, "No, I have nothing to say." But here's what I would suggest: Let's say there's someone you're an entrepreneur, a strategic coach, client, or someone who's interested in these shows. You're interested in starting a podcast, and again, we promised that we were going to give you some information on how to kick it off today. So that's what we're going to do. My suggestion would be to just hit a pub. 
with the person that you think you may want to start a podcast with, get some pints in front of you, or maybe if you prefer coffee, take the fast filter, fill it out, and actually run through a dry run of the show. See if you can actually carry a conversation with that person. See if you have any chemistry, and we'll talk about chemistry in a moment, but see if you can actually do it. If the show, quote-unquote, falls flat after the first five minutes or you find yourself getting distracted, maybe that's not the right person that you should be hosting with, or maybe you need to start revisiting other areas of interest or other topics because if you can't do it on a trial run mm -hmm. then when the microphones get in front of you and things get real it's probably not going to work so moving right along to choosing your co-host i had this idea because there's been people that i've worked with in my radio career who are wonderfully talented broadcasters but there's just something that when we got in a room together for whatever reason it just didn't work and chemistry is a huge part mm -hmm. of it i can't explain what it is i don't know what it is it's just something that you feel when you're speaking to someone everyone has people in their life that you cannot see this person. Maybe it's an old friend or a colleague. You haven't seen them in a year. You get together and you start talking and it's like there's been no distance or no space between you. You guys have great chemistry. My suggestion is if you're thinking about someone within your entrepreneurial organization that you're thinking about starting a podcast with, I would suggest you don't necessarily have to pick the most knowledgeable person. Let's say you're in the insurance industry or let's say you're in finance or whatever. You don't have to pick the most knowledgeable person. I think it's easier to find the most engaging person and make them knowledgeable about that which you're going to be speaking mm -hmm. because it's a lot easier to take someone who's engaging and make them knowledgeable than take a knowledgeable person and make them engaging. Yes. You can't really go backwards. So what are your thoughts on well, that? Well, I, I would say that's absolutely true. And over the years, I've found that people are always engaging, regardless of how much they know, they're always really engaging if they have this attitude that they want to be a hero to the person who is actually listening. More and more, we use this in Strategic Coach Program because our entrepreneurs are very successful by the general standards of entrepreneurship. Just economically, everybody who's in the Strategic Coach Program is in the top 1% of income earners in the world. Mm -hmm. So they know how to sell things. They've all got years of experience. At the least, someone would have four or five years actually out in the marketplace. You know, in Canada, I always say if they got through five Canadian winters and they're still successful, they're going to be successful for <laughs> life. But I notice that there's a leveling off at success level when entrepreneurs forget who it is that they actually want to be a hero to. If you're listening to a podcast series, you can instantly tell that if I was actually meeting this person face-to-face, -face, and it's not through the internet that I'm meeting them, that this person would be really interested in me when I'm in a conversation with them. I don't know if you can learn that, Gord. I was a little kid, I'm a fifth child in a family, one thing about being number fifth is you know four things. You're not a number one, you're not number two, you're not number three, and you're not number four. Nobody's interested in me. I'm little, you know, I'm the newest kid. So what I learned as a kid is to just ask questions about what my older siblings were really interested in and why they were interested in it. And I just found that if you're interested in other people and you're interested in asking them questions that you don't know the answer to, so that what they tell you is going to be news to you, and then you can ask about the news 
that they tell you. So here's the thing. If you're thinking about podcasting, but you're not actually interested in the people you want to podcast to, don't start podcasting because it will be instantly picked up on the other side. This person isn't actually interested in me. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, entrepreneurs, just by the nature of being long and successful, have generally developed this ability of being very, very interested in their prospects and their clients and their customers. And they don't ask questions that they already know the answer to. They're not trying to use a question to corner somebody. They're actually asking a question so that the person can think about their thinking in a new way. And then they can see, you know, is what I offer, because every entrepreneur has a specific product or they have a specific service or they have a specific solution and they can't tell before they find out what the other person is really thinking about in their future whether this person even would have any value for what they're selling so people would come to me and tell me that you know I've been at shows trade shows and people say well tell me why I should need you. And I said, well, I have the foggiest idea whether you should need me. <laughs> and I said, can I ask you a few questions about two or three years down the road, what constitutes bigger and better for you, given where you are right now, if you were three years down the road and this was bigger in your life and this was better in your life? And I said, I'll just listen to how you're describing your future, and I'll just see if there's anywhere that my product or service might be of use to you. So The more you put the emphasis on your understanding of the audience, the better almost anything you would say would probably be useful. Be interested. (laughs) Be interested. Be interested to be interesting and vice versa. Yeah. And they all work. Yeah. So I would say that. And then it's not what you want to say. It's what do other people want to hear? The reason why we have this podcast series, because our program advisors and our coaches, you know, in a dozen different ways have said, you know, could you ever think about doing a podcast on a podcast? Because we're talking about hundreds and thousands of individuals around the planet saying they'd really like to know, Dan, how you're thinking about this, that you're doing this so much. What is it about this particular medium? So it's not my excitement about the medium that we're answering here or we're addressing. I mean, we have to convey that we are excited about what we're doing. But I want to tell people why I think podcasts is such a great thing in the world, because they're really fascinated with this. Mm-hmm. That leads us very nicely into the third point. So just to recap, have something to say. Mm-hmm. See if you can actually do a dry run of the show. And if it falls flat, then I would suggest either changing your topic or finding a different co-host. Pick the most engaging person and make them knowledgeable. Don't pick the driest person just because he or she knows the most. The third one of the fourth is narrow your topics per episode. When you're trying to share 30,000 new things at once, it just doesn't work. So on the show today, we shared a bit of philosophy right off the top, but we're not talking about all of the things. We're going to break it down on these episodes And we're not going to be talking about microphones today. We're not going to be talking about software. We're just simply talking about the things you need to consider to start. And the fourth one, Dan, is to plan out your first six to eight episodes. I know you're a 10 Colby quick start, so you don't need a lot of time. But for people who are maybe fact finders and they need more of a lead in to these types of things, Mm -hmm. how far in advance do you like to plan your shows with your partners? The thing that might be a difference in my case from, you know, our listeners is that I've been coaching entrepreneurs for 45 years and I've been creating brand new workshops for 30 years. So at any given time, you know, it's kind of like in the jazz medium, the jazz musicians will have riffs. 
Okay, and what I mean by this is that there are hundreds of riffs that you could take any melody line and you could make it unique and different just by adding different ways of taking any melody and putting some interest that the listener has never heard before. I mean, in the music world, people will have collections of the same songs sung by 10, 15 different people or rendered from a musical standpoint from that, and they love that melody line. They love that melody line, and it's interesting them that it's a melody line that I recognize, but it's being done differently. So I have a backlog of 45 years of roughly about 50,000 hours of conversations with entrepreneurs where they're talking about themselves. So I just call on that. The other thing is that even in the process of you and I discussing right here, my mind's already thinking, yeah, there's some new stuff that's just coming out of the fact that we're creating. So I will always have four or five that I can easily talk about as I go ahead. But as I approach the particular podcast, one of them will emerge as being more timely than the others. And I write a book a quarter, you know, so I have little books that I produce a quarter. And people say, well, how far out are you? And I says, well, I've actually noted down about 25 different book titles. But until I get very, very close to actually making a commitment, I don't know which one's going to pop up, but one always pops up. And I said, that's all I need to know. I'm comfortable that I could talk about a whole bunch of things. But the situation that we're in, in today, we've got to produce in the next 45 minutes. I know which one we're going to go after. The other thing that I would like to get across, and I'd like to really punch this idea more and more because it's a book that I've just written called, Who Do You Want to Be a Hero To? And the key to being a powerfully good communicator is that you love your audience and you want to do good for your audience. And you don't want them to have to pay for the good that you're doing. You just want to give a gift to your audience. So I'm passionate that successful, very successful, very, very skillful, very ambitious entrepreneurs should never stop being entrepreneurs because they have nothing except their own natural barriers to stop them from going on being an entrepreneur all their life. So virtually all the ideas that I provide to entrepreneurs are things that will make their future more exciting than their past. You might have just solved the conundrum for people. People, when they think about public speaking, the top fright for most people in the world, if you think about your audience as, I want to be a hero to these people in this room. I want to mm -hmm. be a hero to these people who mm -hmm. are listening to the show. It kind of flips the whole script over because those who may have some challenges with public speaking, if you think about it in that way, it can kind of open up whole new avenues for you and maybe reduce nervousness yeah. or... Any of those things. Yeah, and I have to tell you, there's a lot of people on public media, whether it's radio, television, or they're on the speaker circuit, that about two minutes into listening to their presentation or watching it, I'd say they don't love their audience. I can tell they don't love their audience. This is just another set of faces, and tomorrow I'm someplace else. What is it? Is it body language? Is it... No, they just don't love other people, period. They do love themselves. They just don't <laughs> love other people. And you pick it up. Now, they may be very famous, and people are there to get the glow effect of being yeah. in the presence of somebody. But I can tell instantly whether someone actually really, really appreciates, really understands, really wants to know more about their audience. And whether it's in a broadcast format or whether it's in an interactive format, I can tell instantly that they really, really 
like the people that they're with. You mentioned a while ago when we were down at Genius Network with Joe Polish, we were talking about gurus, and you said the guru is on the way out. Why is guruitis on the way out? Well, I think that it's an overcompeted space, mm -hmm. you know. And the other thing is that the gurus tend to imitate each other in guruness. <laughs> you know, if there's guruology, everybody's basically taking the same course, and it becomes very mechanical. It's like TED Talk. You know, I remember when TED first started, there was a huge backlog of really talented people who had great things to say to the audience, but it had never been presented in the framework that Ted did, which, you know, it's an 18-minute time frame. And then there's a way of coming on stage, and there's a way of developing the idea, and you got to have a beginning, a middle, and an end in 18 minutes. And it's got to be something that they can spread out in their worldwide network that this is going to be interesting. And then, all of a sudden, there became these schools and consultants for actually preparing yourself for a TED Talk, and now it's mechanical. As a matter of fact, there's some really funny parodies on YouTube. Yeah. I've seen that. Uh, you know, of a woman coming out and talking about the biggest rock in the universe. And there's a way she pauses, and there's a way she looks at the audience, and there's a way that she can take something that's just utterly trivial and make it sound like it's the most significant, <laughs> the earth-shattering way. Even the pacing back the and pacing forth. Back. I'm going to pace over here, I'm going to walk over here. I've and seen the, the way they yeah. dress and everything like that. Well, you see, because the competition is just getting really, really intense, but everybody's following the same format. They're all imitating each other. And the consultants say, don't veer off this way at all. Do not have anything original. Don't go off the TED formula at all. And it's all filled up. And the problem is there's only so much valuable content in the world. And after a while, some of this stuff is just not worth listening to. I mean, here's the image. In 1953, in May, I can remember it because it came over the radio, is that Sir Edmund Hillary had finally been the first human being where we have a record that he got to the top of Mount Everest. And it was just a couple of days ago, I was looking at a big photograph on the front of our local Toronto newspaper, and it was 320 people, and they're waiting in line, and you can't give attention because they're all doing the same thing, and there's no variety. But the other thing is, it has nothing to do with the audience. And so my feeling is that what people are really looking for is podcasts that aren't really about the podcaster, but the podcaster is actually expressing ideas and is asking questions of the audience that get the audience to actually think about their own thinking. Mm -hmm. And that the great takeaway for the audience is what happened to their thinking as a result of the structure and also the context that was established by the podcaster. Yeah, it's the foundation and the bedrock of Strategic Coach, thinking about your thinking. Mm -hmm. That's a great spot where we can wrap up the second episode here of Podcast Payoffs. Just to recap, do you have something to say? That's very, very important. Choose your co-host. Don't always look for the most informed person. Find the most engaging. Narrow your topics per episode. And you can have some fun. I mean, we went off on a few tangents here today, and no one's going to whip you for that. But don't try to cover everything at once. And finally, plan out your first six to eight episodes in advance. We have ours done here. You can do that too. If you're a Colby fact finder for those who are in coach, I mean, it's the organization of it is all entirely up to you. If you need more of a plan, then 
create more of a plan. If you want to do it more just off the cuff, like those who are the quick starts, you can do that as well. Whatever works for you, but we encourage you to just not script it. So now that we have the planning all done, Dan, we're going to share with our listeners preparation and impact as well. And that's coming up on episode three of Podcast Payoffs. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you.